freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a manager. Doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Oh, yes, hello. The Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app. What's going on? We're on all those podcast platforms as well. Come find us a little later in the day, maybe at night, maybe overnight. Maybe fall asleep listening to us. How about that? I'd like to be there for that. Yeah. We'll be there in your ear. You're getting yes. yourself in a bed, resting, relaxing, maybe taking a nap. The way you were saying you it. You might have to do us. your NPR voice. Oh, sorry, Jess. <laughs> I don't. It's too early for NPR voice. I don't need anybody to fall asleep now. It's only six o'clock. That'd be, uh, you know, lead to accidents out there on the on the roadways or something like that. We don't need that. I no. uh, hope everybody's having a good morning. I am a big day for uh, for me and for the Salk family in general. Uh, a bunch of different fronts. First off, just want a little shout out. Congratulations to Avery Salk, tied for first. In her first ever golf tournament oh, last week. Nice. How about that? Nice. In her in oh. her group category, you know, age range, et cetera. Does she also get a sponsorship ex- exemption? A sponsor, yes. Like uh, Michael Block for the yes. next tournament. She's or? also going to be playing in the Charles Schwab Cup, which is uh, super <laughs> impressive. She, she's she's advancing. Uh, so big Congrats. shout out to Avery. That's yeah, great. pretty darn cool. She was really proud when she found that out yesterday. I think her phrase was, "Well, that doesn't stink." It was like, "Oh no, it's pretty <laughs> awesome, pretty great." And uh, with two days to spare, I've hit my goal weight. Nice. How about that? 30, Thirty-five to pounds down, thanks wow. to Eastside Weight Loss Clinic. As of this morning, one uh, one eighty-five. How about that? So uh, pretty darn exciting. That, despite the Cecily birthday chocolate cake that came into the house last night, I had a bite. And then I really wanted a lot more. So it was a little show of willpower last night. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty great. That was like a tough few minutes for me. And it's sort of the opposite of what we saw with the Mariners. Uh, Basically a bad game for their bats again. I mean, that was a terrible game. It was. Other than five minutes. They had five good minutes. Yeah, I mean, Medina's good. Like, he's not a bad pitcher. I mean, he's fine. He's a fine pitcher, and that's fine. I mean, like, whatever. They didn't look good again. Like, they didn't hit. They didn't have very good at bats. They didn't make very solid contact for most of the game. And in a five-minute stretch, they got a guy on base, hit a home run, hit another home run. And against this lineup, that's more than enough, as it turns out, because they're awful. And obviously, the bullpen just kind of mowed them right down. I don't even know if the bullpen allowed a base runner. I mean, they were they were ridiculous just getting them in, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. But five minutes, it was enough. So I'm not mad this morning, but it was funny how last night's game kind of just felt a little bit more like more of the same. Like all of the conversation we had had yesterday from, you know, their their you know, Scott said that there were meetings and they felt different and the guys were really leading the way. Awesome. Well, that's gonna last more than, you know, a game. I like seeing Julio go the other way for a double. That was great. Like there was some good stuff in there. But let's be clear, we had five good minutes yesterday. In a two and a half hour baseball game, you still want to see some more consistency throughout the lineup night to night, like yeah. a lot more. Yeah, I'd like to see like a lot more consistency. Where you know, I'd like I don't need you to score eleven runs every night, but I I was surprised to the next night get right back to the looking at the watch like guys, it's the fifth inning. Anybody want to you know get on base here? Anybody want to drive in a couple of runs? Anybody want to kind of get a rally going? Anybody want to take a few pitches? Anybody want to do something other than strike out and roll over? 
And uh, finally, they did. And and probably shouldn't be surprised that that guy was J.P. Crawford, who has just been, you know, like the. It's funny we've talked about sort of this team on two paths at once: the guys that are on the struggle bus and the guys that are absolutely succeeding. And he is in the group that has completely turned their play around from last year. And it's funny because who is in the crosshairs more than J.P. Crawford in the offseason? Right. Him and Kelnick. Just those two. Right? I mean, if there were two guys that fans seemed to be most frustrated with their spot in the lineup, it was, well, why is J.P. Crawford at shortstop? Yeah, all right, he's a fine second baseman, but he shouldn't really, like, you know, there was a lot of sort of negativity around J.P.'s place and the fact that, JP, you know, DePoto, et cetera, had bet on him, right, as their shortstop of the future when there were other guys potentially coming available. And Jared Kelnick, right, who couldn't hit and was never going to make it, as Brock told us, right, because nobody had ever gone this far in the, in the, in the baseball before without, without you know, hitting. Two, two best hitters on the team right now by far. Like, I mean, it's not close. Beyond, you know, in every way, the two best hitters right now, maybe not forever, but right now through whatever it is, almost two months, seven weeks, something like that, are by far Jared Kelnick and J.P. Crawford. And we've spent a lot of time talking about Kelnick. They've both been fantastic defensively. two of them, we'd be in a weird, weird, terrible Oh, I mean, you heard passing yesterday. Thank God for Kelnick or else this Mariner team would be a disaster. He's right. And we've talked a ton about Kelnick. We have not talked nearly as much about the guy who took his second home run yesterday when they needed it. The 1-0 pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to right field. Laureano's not going to get this one. Goodbye baseball. J.P. Crawford has just tied the ball game at 2-2. Two to two, His second home run of the season. He's not hitting for a ton of power, although it sure feels like he's hitting the ball harder than last year. And I think baseball savant shows that as well. Significantly. The yeah. walks are back up. I mean, we, we heard in the offseason how he had bulked up a little bit and he went to driveline and he worked on his swing and he worked on his body, et cetera. And it, it looks like it's working. Right. I mean, like, it's so funny. One, one of the I, I like I like the statistical. I don't even want to call it a revolution anymore. It's no longer a revolution. Just that the changes that have come to baseball in the last 20 years have been remarkable. And they've taught us so much more about the game and how to view it and how to try to predict it. But we still can't predict it. Right. We can we can we can understand it better. We can have a better understanding of what we're actually seeing. But we can't predict it. And one of the reasons that's hard to do is because sometimes the mental side of the game is challenging for people, and it changes. Poor kid last night from, where is he from, Longview, who yeah. hit two Mariner Trevor players, May. including Ty France, and we'll dig into that a little bit later. Uh, that's uh, that's Trevor May. He was just on the I.L. with anxiety. Came back. I don't know what's going to happen after that, but that, if I had anxiety around pitching and I came back and drilled two guys, one in the wrist, that probably wouldn't help my anxiety. Hard to predict the mental part of the game. Yeah. The other part, it's hard to understand and predict what happens when guys make changes to their swing, to their body, to their approach, etc. I'm sure that if there are certain statistical based people here, they would say, oh, it doesn't matter. I can't tell them I agree with that. How can it not matter when you make a different approach? When Jared Kelnick comes back this year with a different approach... It matters. That's a variable that you can't count for in stats. That's right. You can't predict his approach. When Julio comes back this year without a good approach, how do you predict that? 
You can't, not through stats. When J.P. Crawford adds a few pounds of muscle in the offseason and comes back with a different swing and he's swinging harder and still taking the walks that he needs to take, how do you, how do you account for that in a statistical projection? The answer is you can't. So good on him. Good on J.P. Crawford because he's continued to play great defense. He's continued to take the walks. And he's continued through the first few months of the season almost now to hit. And and he's developing into a legitimate leadoff hitter again, which absolutely helps this lineup kind of shake out better. I never, you know, I, I understand why Julio was in the leadoff spot. I've never thought like that was the perfect spot for him. I'd like him to hit second. I'd like Kelnick to hit third. I, like that's the that's sort of the order I'd like it to be. And the only reason I'd like that is is I just I want them up as often as possible. And that's fine. If Julio's going to be in the leadoff spot again, I'm good with that too. Like, I want that guy, when he's going right, to have as many at-bats as possible. And the idea of a game coming to an end with him in the on-deck circle stinks. So if there's anything you can do to move him up in the order, I get it. But JP, what he's done so far in the leadoff spot, super impressive. Yeah, I trust him there. As you should. Seeing pitches, getting on base. He's not exactly a base-stealing threat. But when he gets on base, you know, he's a good base runner. He knows what he's doing. And he's getting on base. Mm -hmm. And... Like you said, the offense didn't do it with last night like you want to see it, but Marco settled down and did enough to get the win. Absolutely right. So he good on Marco, credit. and we'll talk through his uh, his night and how important it may have been for him because I, look, I don't know if that was an audition to keep his job, but based on the ERA, it sure had that kind of feeling, and I would say he passed. Certainly passed the test. Quality start. Yeah, quality start. Only gives up two runs, gives his team a chance to win, and they absolutely get it done. So five minutes of offense. That's all they needed last night. They got it done. We'll give you everything you need to know next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Oh, the return of the home run ball again last night. They needed another 3-2 game, but this time it was the Mariners who were actually on the winning side, thanks to some timely home runs. J.P. Crawford saved the day, tied things up uh, two in the fifth, and Ty France was the next batter. One-two again to Ty. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field. Going and going and goodbye. Baseball off the out-of-town scoreboard. High above the Mariners' bullpen. Back-to-back home runs. Hey, it was only five good minutes of offense, but it was all they needed. Unfortunately, Ty France later in the game hit in the wrist. Uh, initial report, good, not great. Uh, initial reports on Ty are it is not fractured. Um, obviously, it's a contusion uh, right there in the left wrist where he got smoked uh, by the fastball uh, from May. And, um, you know, uh, he's going to be sore. We'll have to wait and see really day to day. Um probably wouldn't expect him to be able to go tomorrow maybe the next day we'll just have to wait and see you know i didn't love it (laughs) i didn't love seeing well first of all i thought he'd been hit in the face the way he went down and was down like that so i was glad to see that wasn't the case first of all second of all you know how i feel about wrists i don't like wrists thought of you immediately i'm glad he came out of the game well i don't like wrists and i don't like a guy who's now had three wrist problems in three years i don't like that for him at all. I would, if it were me, I'd put him on the IL. I wouldn't give him the opportunity to come back. I want that thing 100% rested as far as you can go before he, he returns. No, thank you. I, I don't want to deal with it. 
Second of all, I can't help but notice that Eric Hosmer was DFA'd earlier this week by the Cubs. Is he a great player? Not at this stage in his career, right? He signed that huge contract, and he's done essentially nothing since, and he's not had a good year in Chicago. But he's a veteran first baseman who could absolutely come in and maybe you catch lightning in a bottle for a little while as Ty France is, is on the shelf. I would be looking to bring in somebody like Eric Hosmer, at least if it were me. Second, uh, Marco Gonzalez kind of felt a little bit like a tryout last night, but he did uh, get everything going, struggled a little bit early, cleaned it up, went six innings, allowed just those two runs in the first inning, and then the parade of Gott and Topa and Seawall just uh, sent everybody home happy. Scott Service, reasonably happy. In fact, very happy with what he got out of a starter. He's had a couple outings where it's gone sideways early you know and the earned runs pile up and you know we're still relatively early in the season when you look at you know starting pitchers eras and things like that but uh one thing i've always said about marco he is very competitive he finds a way and tonight i thought you know we knew the changeup was going to be big so i had some really good curveballs tonight and do some you know big double play in the one inning from aguilar got to keep his pitch count in check to get into the sixth inning um again going into the game uh you don't know quite frankly, um, you know, how it's going to go. They've got some young guys that are going to be aggressive up there. But, you know, he took advantage of that with a good changeup and uh, awesome outing. You know, quality start. Anytime you get a quality start in this league, you're going to be happy about it. You gave us a chance to win, and, and we took care of it. Yeah, that's exactly right, and, and well said. They get back to it tonight. Bryce Miller will make his fifth start. First time he's seen an opponent, the second time. So we'll look forward to seeing what adjustments this uh, veteran Oakland A's team makes. <clears throat> Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, I was definitely shocked, as I think everybody was yesterday, to find out that Tariq Woolen was going to miss the rest of this offseason after getting his knee scoped. Uh, actually, yesterday it happened. You know, it's not a huge procedure. That's the good news. A scoped knee is very different from, you know, an ACL injury or something like that. And he should be ready to go by the time training camp rolls around. But a good reminder that uh, depth is awfully important at all of these positions. Meanwhile, Seahawks back out for practice today. Tomorrow as well. Uh, today's not open, so we won't get much of a report from uh, what's going on out there. I'll be curious, though, to see if Daryl Taylor is there, a guy who certainly is a bit in his crosshairs. Brady Henderson joining us yesterday. A little surprised that Taylor wasn't there when he had the opportunity to be. Yeah, well, so he's not in a contract year. Like, he's, he's not going to be an unrestricted guy next year but just because of the, the fact that he spent uh, his first season, I think, on NFI with the college injury. So oh, okay. the way that works is his contract now, his contract told. So he's actually going to be a restricted free agent uh, after this season, I believe. And so not not quite a contract year. But, yeah, I, I was surprised not to see him there. He's got a very good reason to be there when you think about the fact that they drafted, you know, for the second year in a row, they drafted a guy in the second round to compete with him, if not ultimately replace him. And yeah, if they, if they had drafted two guys to compete with me, I'd be there. Just it's just how I'm built. <laughs> like if that was the option, I'd be there. And maybe he will be when uh, they get underway later today, and we'll find out if that's the case tomorrow. Here's the third thing you need to know: NHL playoffs continuing. Vegas looks poised to uh, dominate that series. They're up what three nothing now against Dallas. Uh, it was good to hear from Dave Haxtall, coach of these Kraken, yesterday as he joined Bump and Stacy. A couple of things jumped out to me. One, uh, he agreed with me that Yanni Gord was absolutely their playoff MVP through those first two series. Just the way he stepped up his game, the way he played defense, especially the job he did on McKinnon's line in the Colorado series. I thought he really upped his game. Second. Look, I think they need difference makers, and that's exactly the word that he used. For me, we need to keep growing. 
mostly, you know, we need to keep growing from within, continue growing in terms of adding difference makers. The more guys that you can add that are impact guys that can make a difference at that critical time of the game. Yeah, now when he says difference makers and impact, it doesn't just mean scorers. But when I look at this team and I look at what happened in the playoffs and I look at the teams that continue to play, they do have those guys. They can raise their game and score in the biggest moments of the season. And and that is still something they'll be missing. Curious to see how they go out and try to find that in the offseason. Now, maybe Shane Wright's going to end up being that guy eventually. Uh, Hackstall once again. Nobody's handing this kid anything. They were pretty clear that uh, if he wants, he's going to have to earn it. For next year, that's going to have to be determined as he comes to camp. So, you know, the most important part for him is going to be how he's able to put together his summer, have a great, hard-working summer, getting himself prepared. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Every time they talk about Shane Wright, they talk about the need for hard work. I don't know why. I don't know whether he's not a hard worker and they're trying to get him to be one. They sit my room I, I hear something in there, too. I mean... Yeah. Everybody keeps saying, I mean, Ron Francis said it at the end of the year. Hackstall saying it. What does he need to do? Well, if he works hard, there's a spot for him. Okay. I hope he hears the same message that we're picking up on. Well, and Ron Francis basically said, it's up to him. It's up to him. You want to work hard? You'll be here. Seems like a message. Huh. Yeah, it does. Make make it happen, kid. (laughs) Make it happen. It's everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour. So yes, Drew Bauer in the pen last night. Yeah, what was up with that? I don't know. I didn't He's get an invite. Thinking about going sleeveless. <laughs> what was the deal out there? He's just hanging in the pen. He was. Every photo I saw of him was in the pen. Really? All of them. He's the, with fans. Pizza thing. TV caught a, him a couple times. Oh, there's no private events there. Was there? A private no, event? no, no, not this whole season. The pen's open uh, the entire year for everybody. Wow. <laughs> He's just leaning out there in the pen. I'm like that's my guy. He's uh, he's a man of the people, just like you, Justin. What can I tell you? All right. (laughs) Coming up, uh, let's see. uh, Jeff Passan. Very odd interview. There's a lot of... I I don't even really know how to describe it. They're singing. (laughs) There's... there's a lot of real personal information and one of the more surprising answers we've ever received on our time on the air here in Seattle. So uh, stick around. You'll hear from the top baseball guy in the country next. Jeff Passan joins us on Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Let me read you some breaking news. It's not good news necessarily either, but I will read this to you. Uh, When we spoke to Brady Henderson an hour ago from ESPN.com, he said he was having some difficulty getting a straight answer on whether the Artie Burns signing a cornerback was related to the fact that Tariq Woolen was out, not out there yesterday. While Adam Schefter tweeting moments ago, Seahawks Pro Bowl cornerback Tariq Woolen, a fifth-round pick who tied for the league lead in interceptions during his rookie year, underwent arthroscopic knee surgery today that is expected to sideline him until training camp. League sources told both him and Brady Henderson. So Brady obviously continuing to do some digging, and he and Adam Schefter uh, coming up with the story there. So arthroscopic knee surgery, not the same as like an ACL or MC. I mean, this is... Not the worst thing that can occur, but it's not necessarily the best thing either. Mm, mm. Uh, I thought you were going to say Achilles, and I'm really glad you said arthroscopic knee. You know, could be in, and the fact that he's going to be back by training camp. Yeah. So whether that's a little meniscus cartilage, it's easy for us to say, right? I mean, this guy still is having knee surgery, but that seems to make a whole lot of sense. Like, why would you in a room that was your deepest room, right? 
Why would you go sign Artie Burns back? That, that Well, now you got the news. Well, we'll come back to that uh, and, and dig into it maybe a little bit further at 9 o'clock. Jeff Passan joining us now as he does every Tuesday at 8.30. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Gentlemen, how are you? Oh, oh you sound good. Oh, yeah. You're back to 100%, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm feeling much better. Life is, uh, life is much better than it was uh, at this point last week. Let's put it that way. Let's start off with something super fun and positive, and that's Jared Kelnick. Because just, again, watching it last night, and it's not just last night, it's everything we've seen through 45 games this year, but watching him last night, the easy power, just the way he does so many different things on a baseball field. What is the Jared, the full Jared Kelnick experience like? Well, I think the full Jared Kelnick experience, Mike, is what we anticipated after that first year when he got traded to the Mariners. Um, You know, the numbers that he was putting up in the minor leagues were otherworldly. The power was really easy, and and he got to it easily. Like that's the thing you can you can have power where in batting practice you're just you know launching balls all over the place, but power in game is a completely different thing. And Jared Kelnick has it in spades. And I think we've seen that he's got 10 home runs. Now he's slugging over 550. Like, you know, I'll say it again. This is the guy who the Mariners thought they were getting. And uh, he has been an absolute godsend because without Jared Kelnick this year, uh, the Mariners are among the most disappointing teams in baseball. Last night, Salk and I trying to remember with more ingest. I think the first time in a year and a half that we have seen Jared Kelnick and Julio, those two, be the absolute fire starters. Those two absolutely yep. carry the team. And, uh, I mean, that just has not happened. And then trying to imagine, Jeffrey, if it can happen, if these two can grow together over the years with their unbelievable talent and put it together uh, collectively, who has done that? Who is an outfield over the last 10, 20, 25 years in baseball that has had two very young 20-somethings with absolutely special talent? Oh, boy. On the spot, nobody is coming to mind. I'm sure that there there are examples of that, but across baseball right now, I don't know that there is one. Um, I mean, there's certainly I, many I teams that... that have had the individual, right? I mean, we had it in Seattle for so many years with Griffey. Sure. You know, Buner was a nice counterpart. But as far as coming up together at that young age and having the kind of ceiling that I think both of these guys have because of just their physical traits and their physical giftings, not been really done much before, has it? No. I mean, let's just like, let's take a look at Arizona right now as an example. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks came into this, uh, into this season with Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, um, really being like guys who they were relying a lot on. Well, Corbin Carroll's been awesome uh, because he's from Seattle. But Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas find themselves back in AAA. It's, it's hard. It's hard to have, you know, it's hard to find one all-star caliber outfielder, let alone two. Um, but, I'll tell you what the, you know, what, what my like happy moment last night was when Adrian Martinez let that change up right in the middle of the plate, seeing Julio Rodriguez just hit an absolute missile to left field. I was like, Oh yeah, that's what that looks Mm -hmm. like. And, 
and and it's it's nice to see when when somebody who you know is one of the most talented players in the world um, can can go out and remind you just how talented he is. Uh, like Julio, when he's at his best, is a top five to top ten player in baseball. I don't think that Kelnick has that ceiling necessarily, um, but Julio is everything. And if if Jared Kelnick, the way he's playing this year, is your second banana, um, that is a ripe, delicious perfect banana just out of curiosity and i I like the banana talk i'm a big banana guy (laughs) to answer to answer your question brock it it was john carlos stanton and christian yelich yeah down in miami right yeah can i ask a what might be a dumb question but i'll ask it anyway are you sure kelnick doesn't have the same kind of upside as julio i don't think so because he's a corner guy and i think the strikeout issues are still there i i I see Jared Kelnick wave at too many bad pitches still. And I know that, you know, the swing change was, was supposed to help with that. I think the swing change um, really allowed him to kill the pitches in the zone. But I think until the swing decisions are better, I just can't put that, you know, all world ceiling on him quite yet. And maybe, maybe that happens. Maybe he tightens the zone even more, but if you look at the strikeouts walk ratio, it's pretty similar to where it's been in the past. Well, the uh, whole team was having significant strikeout issues. I think Shannon Dreyer told us yesterday, what was it, Salk? In the last 30 days, five of the top 11 strikeout guys in baseball yes. were Seattle Mariners. So they have a, a you know disappointing trip. Kind of, the, It's been, as you said, one of the most underperforming teams through 40-something games. They come home yesterday. They face the A's. Go ahead and fire that Scott Service sound. I know we wanted to play for pass. And here was Scott Service talking about maybe a little different tone and tenor brought from the position guys yesterday. Yeah, the, the tone was said earlier today when we got into the ballpark. Um, you know, the, the pregame meetings today and stuff, our players, our position players were not happy. Um, you know, they know that our pitching has been doing an outstanding job, giving us a chance to win every night. And we're not taking advantage of it. So um, talking to a few of the guys and then uh, sitting in the meetings today, there was definitely a different vibe about it. We need to pick it up. We need to get going. And now's the time. So it was great to see you tonight. Again, it's just a start. A couple weeks ago, we had some sound of Scott, and it was a very different sound. But basically, he said one guy spoke, and I think that was clearly him speaking to the team at that point. Mike and I said, well, you can't do that too many times. That to me, passing right. sounds. That to me sounds like it was actually the positional players. It was actually those bats. It was actually some of the v- veterans and young veterans realizing this season's no longer early. Is that what you hear? Yeah, I think they're pissed at themselves because. And by the way, can we can we just get off the Luis Castillo? Isn't okay. I know it was the A's, but can we all agree Luis Castillo is going to be fine? Yeah, he looked great last night. Yeah. Luis Castillo's fine. George Kirby's awesome. Bryce Miller's awesome. Logan Gilbert's awesome. Like when so you have So do your job and hit. <laughs> yeah. When I mean when you have four starting pitchers who have like a hundred eighty it's somewhere in that it might be even higher, like a hundred eighty to like thirty strike up to walk ratio, you should not be a five hundred team. Like you should, you should be, if not leading the division. Um, and, and 
the Mariners' bullpen, too, by the way. Um, you know, they've been really, really good up and down. Um, you should, you should, if not be leading the division, then certainly be in a playoff spot at this point. And so I think there's, there's, uh, there are elements of pride that are going on here. Like, hey, we're a quarter of the way through the season now. It's time to stop messing around because there's not going to be a 14-game winning streak this year. There's just not. That's not a realistic thing. That's not something upon which you can count uh, or rely. It's not going to happen. And so instead of sitting back and, and playing 500 ball, we need to go out and win series. Every time we play a team three games, we got to take two of them. And when you do that, that starts adding up, and that adds up quickly, and that's how you thrust yourself back into playoff contention. And I think the the hitters understand we can't be average, and that's what almost the entire Mariners lineup outside of Jared Kelnick and, and Cal Raleigh's been this year. Uh, Ty France is Ty France has been a league average hitter. J.P. Crawford has been a league average hitter. Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez, Gina Suarez have been slightly below league average hitters. That is not something that is going to play long term. And I think the Mariners understand that. And the sense of urgency there is what I appreciate because they understand the season can get away from you quickly. And we're at that time right now. Uh, you know, I talk about it with you guys every year. Memorial Day is the day. Like, you know, if the Mariners are at 500 on Memorial Day, I think it's going to be a disappointing thing. They 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 had higher expectations of themselves, and I think they know they're better than how they've played. Jeff, sophomore seasons in baseball tend to be challenges for teams, and we've seen it obviously with Julio this year. We've had a lot of those conversations, but he's not alone. I mean, we were we just saw Michael Harris uh, the second last week for Atlanta, and obviously his struggles right now are are even significantly worse than Julio's. I, I don't know whether he's necessarily quite at the same prospect level as, as Julio is, but what is it about second seasons that tends to be an issue for these guys? I honestly don't have a good answer to that because there are some guys who come out in their second seasons and they're even, I mean, look at Alex Rodriguez struggling mightily his first time in the big leagues and his second season at 21 or at 20 years old, he hits 358 and, you know, 40 home runs. Like, I don't know that second seasons necessarily have to be as troublesome as they can be, but my, my only explanation, I guess, is that, suddenly you're not looked upon as a rookie anymore. It's almost like when you're a rookie, you're looked at like, okay, this this person is susceptible to something. Whereas if you've gone out and done it for a full year, like Leo Rodriguez, for example, you know, guys, guys know now that you can beat them and there's a book on you and they're going to try and do it. And the adjustments that the best athletes in the world, guys are the ones who are capable of making the most on-the-fly adjustments. It's hard to adjust things on the fly. It's hard to adjust when teams are approaching you differently than they did the prior year when you found so much success. And it's almost like you need to recreate yourself. You you need to find that different version of yourself who's capable of being just as effective but in a different way or in a different fashion. And uh, 
adjusting as an adult, adjusting as a person in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s is a really hard thing to do. Imagine trying to do it in your 20s, like when you don't know anything. And mm. in that, I think if there is an explanation, it's that. But it, it also doesn't apply to everyone. So I, I don't think I can point to a guy and say, he's going to have a bad sophomore year. He's going to be okay because – Honestly, I think Julio Rodriguez, one of the, you know, is as resplendent as his physical tools are. I think one of the best parts of his game is the mental aspect. And uh, seeing him struggle the way that he has has been a big surprise. For me. I, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to have an absolute monster year this year, and he may yet still. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's got a hole to dig himself out of. Well, leadership and mentorship matter. I think what you've done right there, recreating, I mean, it's what we try to do with you on this show, Jeff. We've had you for years. You've recreated from a wet blanket to, you know, very positive guy, (laughs) adjusting on a fly. So with that, I'm going to try something that Salt didn't even know what I'm about to do. Um, This is just a – Yeah, Justin, you ready for it? Go ahead. Go ahead and hit it. More. Let's get personal, personal. We're going to get personal. Oh, my God. Personal. I want to hear your inner thoughts, inner thoughts. It's time to get personal with Jeff Passon. Oh, my gosh. It's a good thing you didn't tell me about that ahead of time. We, we wouldn't have played that, I can assure you. <laughs> you feel good about it? You ready for that? Is it, was that good? Am Passon? I? You like it? I, I, shh, quiet, Salk. Passon was laughing. Time to get personal. Personal with Pastor. We're doing it every single week. We're recreating a little bit in the segment about midway through. I, I shot you this note last week, and, and uh, we didn't get to it because we had other things to deal with. I am curious from a mentorship and leadership standpoint, who were the people professionally, take your parents and family out of it, that made the biggest imprint on your career? I'd like to know who taught you to sing. Mm. Good God almighty. <laughs> really bad. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was terrible. I'm telling like, you, that's okay. I, if you like, down. I can re- I can record that. Sure, for you. I could. Yeah. It's gonna get personal, personal. Like you gotta you gotta well, go an better. octave or three. Yeah, you gotta go. He you gotta go have, falsetto. Like, the rhythm of the song down sure. better than yep, you brought. Good way to go. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard personal. when the music's playing in real time. Um, so I started writing baseball when I was twenty. Years old, I think, maybe twenty-three. All right, that's all the time we have. Thank you, Jeff. Though this has been great, we really enjoyed this. That was awesome. Thank you so much. No, you're gonna. No, you're gonna. There's a. There's a little. There's a little punchline here. You'll enjoy this. One of my first times in the clubhouse. Um, nobody knew who I was because I was new, and uh, a player threw his underwear at me because he thought I was a clubhouse attendant. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason the reason I wear like shirt ties to to a ballpark is because I never want to be mistaken for a clubby <laughs> and get and get jazzy shorts thrown at me again. I just have no desire for that. So I did not know what I was doing. And the baseball clubhouse is a very man, it's a very interesting place. And trying to find your way around there and understand and have the feel, nobody. 23 years old has the the feel to go in there and do that. And so Bob Dutton, who you guys know, I Mm -hmm. I assume know fairly well for all of his years covering the Mariners. Uh, Bob was the Kansas City Royals beat writer. When I got hired, I I totally skipped beat writing. I got 
hired to cover like national baseball when I was 23, having never covered it before. And Bob Dutton showing me the ropes, telling me what to do, uh, was the, the absolute best mentor, friend, teammate I could mm. possibly have. And there's just, there is so much you can learn from experience. And it's why when I see industries, my own included, um, pushing out people who have been around for a long time, it deeply saddens me because I think institutional knowledge is, is one of the great uh, teachers that we have. And Bob Dutton had a ton of it and was, was willing to pass it along to me and help me along. And I will be deeply indebted to him forever because of that. So if you can find a mentor, a kind soul who will tell you how to do the job right. And if you have the humility to listen and to learn and to want to get better, you're going to shine. It's awesome. All right. Well, speaking of a young guy who's having some success right now, as soon as he's found himself in the big leagues, uh, how about this Jose Caballero? I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch him, but does he remind you of anybody? I, I think I brought him up a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Who, who does he remind you of? What is, who is this story? Like who, who, who is he? I don't know if Jose Caballero is Ronnie Belliard, but that's the guy who in body type and in skill set, I see when I look at Jose Caballero, you know, somebody who, but I don't think Jose Caballero is ever going to be an all-star guys get to the big leagues at 26. You know, there tends to be a ceiling on them, but I just appreciate somebody who's taking advantage of his time and his opportunity. I appreciate somebody who is a good base runner, which he absolutely is. He's fast. Like he's sneaky fast. Um, I appreciate somebody who makes contact, which he's not doing quite at the rate as he did in the minor leagues because yeah, it's hard to be a big league hitter, but uh, I, Jose Caballero's, earned himself the second base job right now, has he not? For sure. I mean, I don't even think it's a question, especially given some of the other problems they've had this year at second base. So it leads to question two. What do you do next? We Let's say later this week, Dylan Moore is going to be activated. He's going to be healthy. He's coming back. You've got two choices. Assuming you're going to keep Caballero at second base, you can send down Sam Haggerty or you can DFA Colton Wong. What are you doing? I think I probably option Haggerty at this point, just because it's, you know, what happens if there's an injury? Um, mm-hmm. Don't you want more guys in the organization? You don't have to play Colton Wong necessarily, um, but I would rather if I'm the organization right now. And if Sam Haggerty were hitting, it would be a different story. Sam Haggerty's been bad this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Sam Hag- let me make that- you the opposite uh, argument because I, I totally get that argument. Let me make you the the, con- the counterpoint, which is if Colton Wong's not playing, how happy is he going to be? He's in the last year of his deal, and this is a guy who wants to go out there and make money again next year. He'd like to probably go somewhere else and try to play. Two, Sam Haggerty can come off the bench and actually do something for you late in games. He's fast. He can run. He can go in as a defensive replacement. Colton Wong has somehow a negative .7 defensive war through 40-something games. I didn't even know how that was possible, but somehow it has been. I mean, Sam Haggerty, you're right, hasn't hit either, but might legitimately help your ball club more than, than Colton Wong on the bench. 
I think the fact that they have two perfectly, and your argument is, is solid. They have two perfectly reasonable options right now. And you would rather have it such that you're, you know, the decision that you're making is a really hard one rather than a, an easy one. Um, and hard in the fact that everyone's playing well, who are you going to, you know, it's like the Francisco Alvarez situation with the Mets right now. Like, you know, they shouldn't send him down, but they may have a roster crunch. There, there's not a roster crunch here. I, I think either either of those options is a perfectly reasonable one for the Mariners. So, uh, getting getting Dylan Moore back is going to be a good thing too. Dylan Dylan Moore is just I feel like he's just a winning player, man. He just yeah. does things that uh, put you in position to win ball games, whether it's walking, getting hit by pitches, swiping a bag. He's able to play all over the diamond. It'll be good to have him back. He's not going to be a guy who's going to put up a three or four win season for you, but a couple of times a year, he's going to do something in a ball game that's going to lead you to a win. We got to run. You got to run. Last uh, quick question is if the Mariners were a music genre, since we learned last week that you know your music and you know it well, if the Mariners season right now was a music, music genre, who would they be? What would they be? Uh, I feel like they would be the sad country song that that still has hope to it. It's like, yeah, you know, my dog got run over, but hey, maybe my next dog will be even better. I don't even know what to make of that, so we're just going to let you go, Jeff. Thank you for the personal time today. Uh, thank you for singing better than Brock, yep. and uh, thanks for all the optimism. We'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. I want to get personal, personal. Yeah, that is uh, better, than, that's better than Brock. That's for Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm sorry I talked to you again, but I, I also feel like it was sort of for the best. <laughs> like I didn't want everybody to, to really have to feel the full effect like of Jeff was, singing there. He was kind of feeling it. He was, yeah. He got into the groove a little bit. <laughs> it's in the heart, if you don't know. All right. Coming up next, in what felt like a job interview yesterday for Marco Gonzalez, did he pass? And the biggest surprise of the of the day yesterday maybe shouldn't have been such a big surprise at all. It's all coming up with Brock next on Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710.